Welcome to the Crown Heathens Podcast, where we talk about video games, video game news, and just about anything else. My name is Matthew, and as always, I'm here with my best friends, Marissa and Sacco. Now, I'd like to remind everybody that there are no stupid questions. So I'm going to start us off with a question right now. Marissa, what is today's topic? So I wanted to go through some emotional turmoil with you today. So what I think we should talk about today is the most emotional moment you've come across in a video game. This Try not is... to cry. <laughs> so we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna start us off by saying there will be spoilers. Uh, obviously, for the games of which the emotional moments happen, you can uh, see those in our description. Um, it'll be right at the top there. Yeah. So uh, let's start off with somebody else because I'd like to save mine for later. <laughs> um, Sacco, why don't you go first? Um. Well. Um, you know, no shock to anybody. Mine's in Halo. Um, so Halo Reach was a very um, emotional journey, you could say. Um, there's a lot of a lot of loss in that game. Um, and like going into it, I I had already like delved deep into the Halo lore, and it was like so. Halo was just a little background. Halo Reach was the fourth game. Or a fourth like major game in the series that Bungie released because there was the Halo Three ODST as well, but um, it was a prequel to the original Halo game. So in the in the timeline of everything, it was Halo One through Three, and then Halo Reach came before all those ones. But they released it after it was the last game they made for the Halo series before they sold it off to Microsoft and ended up making Destiny essentially um so going into it i knew like you're defending the planet reach and you i already knew that you don't succeed the covenant glass planet everyone dies it's a it's a it's a it's a failed mission in that you don't save the planet but the real part of the mission was getting cortana off the planet that was okay wait 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 so like as a new player of the game like if you had played this before the other games would you have known oh no we're gonna fail no, absolutely not. I mean, I guess there's like the kind of foreshadowed it right? because as soon as you turn the game on, the very first thing you see is a broken Spartan helmet buried in the sand that used to be a green field. But you don't know that yet. Like it's just a broken helmet and then it cuts to you landing on Reach, helping your like the rest of your teammates like get ready for like a mission. Um Are you like wearing the helmet? <laughs> Oh no! There's no one wearing the helmet. No, no, the no. There's no one. Okay. No, it's just a broken helmet. It's just on the a random helmet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So my question is, this game obviously came out. They released it after one, two, and three. Do they write the story based off of you've definitely played one, two, and three? So here's all these like flash forwards or like here's the, not necessarily flash forwards, but like they definitely hint at like oh you definitely know what's happening, or is no. it like? Like, this game takes place before just because we kind of want to tell this part of the story. So if you don't play it, play this one. If you've played the other ones, then you kind of know what's going to happen. But we're not going to, like, hint too much towards it. Yeah, exactly. The only real tie-in, I mean, besides, like, the characters, because you do, like, encounter some of the characters you encounter in the other three games. But the main tie-in is, like, a little, like, uh, Easter egg in the in the ending cutscene. So at the end of the game... um which I'll talk about later, but you, you end up on a ship and it like, it's a, it looks like a cutscene, but you can actually turn the camera to the right 
And if you turn the camera to the right, you see a like a cryopod, and Master Chief is in the cryopod. Mm. And then Halo oh. One starts with Master Chief coming out of that cryopod. Oh, so, like it's like right before. Yeah, yeah. Like the ship flies away. Like in the opening okay. of Halo One, like they're talking about Reach being glassed, and then you start, and then the cryopod opens, and then. Everyone's like, okay, here's here's how your armor works. Here's how you jump. Here's how you move. You know, the, the basic tutorial stuff. So it's like immediately after the events of Reach, you start Halo 1. Okay, so was the whole game the emotional journey? Or was it like a specific part? It was it was like a it was it was a build up, I guess. Like the whole game, you you basically you slowly lose each of your team members one by one. Cause like they're you kind of like there. You kind of it's kind of assumed that each of the members kind of know it's a suicide mission. Like you're not going to succeed in saving this planet. You're just trying to get as many civilians off because there are humans. It's a human inhabited planet, so you're trying to get as many people off as possible. But you also have to get Cortana off. Like that's the main point of the mission, like of of Reach. Um, and so like all your team members are slowly dying one by one. Some of them sacrifice themselves. Some of them are just killed in battle. And then you get to the end of the game and it's just like this. It's just loss after loss after loss. And then everybody is dead and it's just you and you get Cortana to the, sh to the pillar of autumn. The pillar of autumn takes off and you're just like, I will delay them as long as possible. And so you're just fighting and it's just an endless wave of enemies over and over and over again. And then eventually you die. And then it like, Cut, like as you play the the ending of the game, like your helmet starts to break, like you start to see cracks on the screen and stuff, and then um it you end up dying and then your helmet falls off, like it just a little cutscene plays. Your helmet falls off, lands on the ground, and it's the exact same position it was at the beginning of the game, but there's like grass and stuff around it because the planet hasn't been glassed yet, but it's about to be glassed, and then. Then it cuts the pillar on them, and you can see in the background that Reach is being glassed, and then everyone's dead essentially, and then game over. Oh, that's that's <laughs> chilling. Very sad. It's a very sad game. Yeah, I have a couple. That sounds very sad. <laughs> I, have a, I have a couple questions. Yeah, uh, the first being with any game that's released or any any form of media that's released out of order. What what would you recommend the order of gameplay? Would you recommend playing Reach and then one, two and three? Or would you recommend playing one, two, three and then Reach if I had access to every single Halo game? Um, I mean, I guess that really depends on how you'd want to experience it, because like, I mean, Halo one came out like 30 years ago, a millennia ago. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I mean, there's Halo one remastered. So like the graphics look better, but the gameplay is still kind of it's kind of clunky because I mean, Gra it's... graphics aside, just story wise, like, do you think that the ending of Reach was more emotional because of this journey that you already know takes um, place in the future? Or do you think that just going straight in, just you want to watch your the planet burn? Like, let's just go for it. I think either way you play them, you still kind of get the same amount of emotion out of it. It would just be a different like basically if you had played Reach first and then played Halos one, two, three, you would have like started off on a low, but like, oh shit, that sucked. Everyone died. But and, like, like slowly build up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, but I got Cortana off, and so now Master Chief has Cortana, and now we get mm -hmm. to like play through the now the, we get to save the, the conquering world. of the covenant, right? And then you get to the end of three and you've saved the world and you've saved the universe, and they're not gonna blow up everything with the rings and all this stuff and but if you play one, two, and three, and then you play Reach, you'd be like, okay, I did all the shit. And then you play Reach, and you're like, well, 
yeah, I died, but because I died, I was able to play the first three games that I just played. Okay, second question. You said that at the end, like, it's just wave after wave. Is it, like, a certain amount of people that, like, you have to fight and then, like, it ends? Or, like, if you just, like, don't do anything and just a first person comes and kills you, is it a game over? Yeah, I mean, you could just stand there and die. And like, just die. As, as and then, as, and then yeah. it'll go to the cutscene. Yes. Yeah, I as love that. Like, I, I low-key love the, like varied ending that's a small variant to having an ending but the idea that like you really are just playing it out like you kind of become that character in that moment like are you going to just immediately give up and just like let the ending happen yeah right or are like, you gonna like kind of actually like are you gonna try really really hard like i'm sure there's lots of people who have like gotten really far in that last little bit because oh, they just sure. keep killing people just, but yeah. then going on and on and on there was inevitably you're gonna die yeah exactly like there's no you can fight as hard as you want. There is no changing the ending of that game. Like, you're not going to suddenly conquer the Covenant in the Halo Reach, and then all the events of 1, 2, and 3 are no longer needed because you beat it. Not with that attitude, you can't. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> um, like, there was an achievement tied to it. Like, if you lasted a certain amount of time, you got an achievement. But, like, at the end of the day, you were supposed to die. That was, like, the whole point of that battle was just like, hey, well, yeah. That's incredibly sad. Yeah. Like, it was. So, so my third question. And I'm only asking this because it kind of relates to my game. You said that everybody, <laughs> you said everybody basically knows it's a suicide mission. Does, does everybody like, like your whole team know, like they know they're going to die or like they think that maybe they'll get off. It, I, you can see glimmers of it. Like basically like when the game starts, everyone's all upbeat. They're like, yeah, we just got to do this. We got to go save these people. Like we just got to evacuate the planet. That's their whole plan at the beginning of the game is evacuate the planet. And then slowly as like more and more covenant covenant enter the planet and like, like the events start taking off and everything starts kind of escalating you you really see like um one of the one of the characters that actually sacrifices himself like you're the whole plan is you're blowing up this big covenant ship so you get a bomb to it and then he um something happens and you can't remote detonate it and he's like i'll i'll stay behind i'll blow it up and then you guys just get off and then he like throws you off the ship in the middle of space and you like end up like plummeting to earth or to reach and like you kind of see it in that moment. He's like, "Listen, we're we're gonna die anyways. I might as well make it mean something." Mm. Oh, right. That's not what I'm expecting. Like when I played Halo, like I played Halo Two, and by playing Halo Two, I mean I did not follow the story. <laughs> I did not like I just shot the aliens or I shot the whatever it told me to shoot, and then I played the multiplayer. Like, um, I would have never like kind of expected that kind of story from them. Yeah, and a, a lot of game? yeah, a lot of people didn't really expect like that much of an emotional story. But if you like look at it in the context, it was it was Bungie's last Halo game. Like it was yeah. the last game they were gonna ever make. Like they've been making this game for like twenty twenty like twenty five years at that point. Like they're like, I'm, we might as well go out with like a literal bang, like the end of a planet, and the Not start only... of the original series, like. Not only the fact that it was their last game, but I also feel like in situations like that, you almost get more of um, an emotional bang when you don't expect it. Like if I'm going into a horror game, I'm expecting to get scared. If I'm going into a first person shooter, I'm expecting to shoot hordes and like, yeah, I'm just going to run in, shoot and leave. But it's that moment where it's like, oh, no, this is this is this is bigger than us. And I like I it's one of the reasons why I love watching sitcoms, because like I can watch a TV show and it'll be a sad TV show and be like, this is what I'm getting into. But watching a sitcom where it's like you're laughing the entire episode and then in the that one split second, it's like, oh, now I'm crying. 
Yeah. And I feel like oh, shit. you can definitely that get that with, with the first person shooter games where it's like they just throw in a story and you're like, oh no. Yeah, I totally agree. I think like I play a lot of RPGs and I kind of expect it from those games, but the games I've played where I wasn't like really expecting it, I wasn't thinking anything was going to be that dramatic or emotional are really the ones that hit me the hardest. Yeah, and like it it was like little things like so at the end because like the whole game you have little like on your HUD you have like, your mission pops up you're like oh go to this building like go do this thing or whatever and then at the end it's not like oh defeat the waves of enemies it's like survive as long as you can oh fuck off and you're like Sorry? oh <laughs> shit okay that got me so like oh this is like I, I I don't win like you just lose obviously and I was like oh cool I guess I'm just leave- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stay here while you guys live bye <laughs> good luck hopefully it works yeah. Uh... That's, All that's right. a, yeah. So that's that's a very um that's a very like that that whole concept of like you know like you just know that it's like this is it like this is the end. And very similar to my game. My game is an RPG, so it doesn't hit as hard. Um I'm going to start by saying that pretty much every Final Fantasy has spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about Final Fantasy um <laughs> shocked I'm every shocked. every final fantasy is like the super long story you fall in love with the characters and then like the ending happens final fantasy 10 was like a completely different like it was a completely different emotion first of all it was like one of the first ones where they had like live voice actors so like every other one like the cutscenes were just like like music and like they were moving around and like they had like good graphics. Some of them had good graphics, but it's like even in the cutscenes, they still didn't really talk that much. They didn't have voice actors. Mm-hmm. They were just like grunt and groan. Um, but mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X had voice actors. So like you kind of like can fall a little bit more in love with these characters. Right. Um, but basically, I'm just going to go through the story of just because neither of you have played Final Fantasy X. Right. No, no. Um, and anybody else listening, if you've played Final Fantasy X, you know exactly like you're already starting to tear up. I can tell. Um, but if you haven't played Final Fantasy X, basically, um, you play as a character named Titus or Titus. They debated on the internet. I call him Titus. But anyways, um, Titus lives on a place called Xanarkand. Um, a giant monster comes, knocks him off of Xanarkand into um, the like the rest of the world. Like Xanarkand's an island. Um, so he ends up on like Spira. And then... You basically meet up with this character, Yuna, and Yuna's a summoner, and she's trying to go on her pilgrimage. And, like, that's pretty much all you know. And you, like, immediately you're, like, um, you're a famous Blitzball player. So, like, like immediately you're, like, yeah, like, everybody loves me. Like, you play Blitzball as, like, the mini game, And then it's, like, okay. So, like, uh, you know what? I'll go on this. I'll go on this uh, uh, pilgrimage with you. It seems very important. So you're going on this pilgrimage. And, like, the longer you go on this pilgrimage, the more you learn about the world. So basically, the world of Final Fantasy X is that there was an ancient war, obviously, uh, that happened like a thousand years ago. <laughs> and there was a guy called Yu Yevin. And he tried to, he loved, he was from Xanarkand. And he loved Xanarkand so much that during the ancient war, he wanted to protect it. So he was a summoner and he summoned a dream version of Xanarkand and created a giant monster called Sin to protect it. And Sin has been wreaking havoc on all of these cities. As soon as the city becomes too advanced and like they think that it's going to like surpass Xanarkand, Sin basically goes and destroys the city. Oh. So it's like extremely, yeah, like basically like, <laughs> like all of it's these, like, like the entire world, like any city that just gets a little bit too advanced or like too technological advanced, like Sin just comes and destroys it. So the whole point of the pilgrimage is to stop Sin. 
no problem. Right. I'll absolutely like I'm training. We're going on it. So then you find out that in the original battle, um, you Yevin's daughter, Unaleska, disagreed with him. She's like, I like she was also from Xanarkin, but she moved away. And she was like, I understand that what you're trying to do, but this isn't the way to do it. So she tries to fight him. And what she does is to get enough power to summon um, to like fight because it's like it's all about like summoners. So like um, you Yevin summoned Sin and like he basically you Yevin lives inside Sin kind of thing. Okay. Um, so then Unaleska sacrifices her husband to create a bigger monster than Sin to fight Sin. So oh, as okay. soon as so she kills her husband extremely sad already we don't even know these characters this happened a thousand years ago but basically yeah. so <laughs> i'm trying not to like i'm trying not to blitz through this just so like it's like i'm just dragging it up but anyways i digress so basically uh after um unaleska kills sin you yevin comes out of sin kills unaleska and takes over her summon so like it's just this repeating cycle and Basically, the summoners go on this pilgrimage. And, like, you figure this out, like, while you're playing the game, you figure out, it's like, um, like, Titus meets Yuna, and he's like, yeah, I'll help you on your pilgrimage. Yuna knows from the beginning, I'm going on this pilgrimage to die. Like, I'm going to have to murder one of my friends, and then I'm going to die, because then Sin will die for a couple of years, and there will be peace for literally, like, a couple years. And then another person is going to go on this pilgrimage again after. So then, like, they're, like nobody else knows about it. and that's why i asked the question about like halo reach is like does everybody on the team know that they're dying but it's like from day one you know like wakes up and she's like i want to be a summoner so that i can kill myself sacrifice one of my friends and hopefully give peace to the world for a couple years oh that sounds oh and my gosh yeah so like you figure this out like pretty late in the game like you're already and like to go on a pilgrimage you have to go to basically every single temple in the world and like get small summons until you can like have the final summon and like so like the entire time she's just like going through the temples and like she has to fight it she has to go through some of them alone and some of them like her friends can help her and it's just like you grow to love these characters and after 70 hours you realize oh i'm gonna have to sacrifice uh, like somebody that i love and also myself just for a couple years of peace so question but that's not yes go for it what what is a summon like what is they're just like okay so like they're just like monsters like giant monsters that you can control it's so like you summon oh. these beasts, like you basically summon these beasts, like some of them are um, like some of them look like dragons, some of them look like blobs, like you okay. basically just get like these like they're just like a they're, giant. Titan yeah, it's thing. yeah, it's kind of like a Titan, like some okay. like there's Ifrit and like Shiva, like some like there's an ice goddess, a fire oh, demon, okay. Okay. giant dragon behemoth. Um, there, there's like one called Leviathan, it's like a giant like water snake. Like most of the Final Fantasy games have like these summons, so like we're kind of just used to the fact like oh we're fighting monsters and we can summon monsters that like will help fight for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, basically, what so that's like the the lead up to like the emotional part. Here's the emotional oh. part. Oh, that's not the emotional part. No, that's not even it. <laughs> so like basically, you find out that Titus isn't real. He is from Dream Xanarkand. He's not from Xanarkand. He is like he was created by Yu Yevin. When you Yemen summoned this dream culture. So it now you get to the point where either you Yevin will live and Yuna will die, or Yuna will finally succeed in killing Sin, but Titus will die. And it's like, what do we do? Like, what do we do? And it's like basically it's like we have to save the world. And then Final Fantasy throws this huge curveball. Um, Titus's father Jekt went on the pilgrimage, the one before Yuna, 
and he was the one who got sacrificed and he became sin. So he became the giant monster who then went to Dreams Anarchind, attacked Titus so that Titus would end up in the real world. And then Titus can do this because Jack kept a bit of his memory. He kept a bit of his consciousness. So together, they defeat Yuyevin. And um, basically, the game ends, like right before it ends, is like they, you're, this whole battle, like you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. You finally beat Yuyevin. And Titus, like they literally look at each other and like, that's it. Like, like there's peace. And Titus, like he slowly starts to turn invisible. And like you see him drifting away. And Yuna's like, don't go. I love you. And he's like, it's time. And like, she runs towards him to hug him. And like, she, oh, just, no. she just falls through him. No. And it's just like, it's just like the music, like their score is fantastic. And you just see like, you like, it's like, this is it. Like, this is the moment we've been fighting for. Like, there's finally world peace. And he just slowly fades. Oh. And it's like, oh. And then basically the game ends with like him fading away. and like yuna is just there and then she goes to like her like city and she like has a big speech and she's like we have peace like we have to remember all the people that we've lost along the way and the friends and like we must always remember our loved ones and then like it pans away and it's just like the bottom of the ocean and you see titus and he opens his eyes at the bottom of the ocean and it's like final fantasy 10 fuck off end of the game (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh my god like the ups, the downs, like, like, it, look, figuring out the story is like, it's really complicated. And like Final Fantasy does that. And mm-hmm. like a lot of JRPGs, like they go really heavy in the story. But just like him fading away, like if you have a chance, if you've never played this game and I just spoiled all of it, literally just go on YouTube, type in Final Fantasy X ending and watch this ending. Knowing that like the, like you never knew the entire time that one of you had to die. And like knowing all that, just go watch the ending. And like you will literally like, it will make you tear up. Yeah, that sounds rough. Like, that sounds yeah. like a rough journey. Like, yeah. lots of twists, lots of turns. I'm to- probably crying a couple times. <laughs> oh, for To be sure. expected with, like, the RPGs. But, like, that just goes back to, like, yeah. even though it's expected, like, they just go, they just go harder. Because, like, they know. It's like, we gotta do it. How old is this game? Okay, so it originally came out for the PlayStation 2. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's, they, yeah. It's, like, an old game. They yeah, remastered okay. it for the PlayStation 4. Oh, okay. okay. So you can play it. You can play Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X-2. I've never played X-2. But I think, spoiler alert, I think Titus comes back. I think that's what they were hinting at. They figure out some way to bring him back. Um, but like just, just playing X, it was just like, oh, it was emotionally... It was... Like, it was, was it emotionally... Dra- oh, yeah, I was going to ask. Was it emotionally, like, draining or emotionally fulfilling? It like, was, you... It was draining. I feel like it's draining the entire time. Like once you realize that one of you has to die, like it gets mm-hmm. really, 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 really draining. And it's like, it's really sad and like heavy. But then like mm-hmm. in the moment, like they did a really good job of making it about world peace. And it's like our small sacrifice will not be in vain. And like there's kind of like hope at the end of the tunnel where like this has been going on for a thousand years and like finally there could be peace. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that because like five, maybe like 30 seconds later, like you see him at the bottom of the ocean and he opens his eyes and it's like, oh, he's alive. <laughs> like they just, they Shit. tease, they just tease a little bit. It was like, yes, yeah, I was extremely sad. You're crying. But wait, there's more. <laughs> um, but but wait, we're not like, done with your heart yet. Oh, it, it was like, it was like they were playing with the heartstrings, but like in a good way. Yeah. 
Interesting. I'm asking, I asked if it was emotionally draining because I've, I've played a lot of RPGs and sometimes they like, it crosses a line into like so much emotion that you're just, you kind of get numb to it. Or like you maybe are like, kind like they, they can't really top themselves, you know, like they've like kind of drained all that they can from you and you're just kind of sad for the rest of the game. I think that also comes with how long the game itself is because like there's games that are like really sad games and they're like 10 hours 15 hours 20 hours but like Mm -hmm. i can't imagine playing like final fantasy it's like 70 like to complete the game is like 70 hours that's not including like side quests and like side like mini games that you're playing like just to complete the story it's gonna take about like 60 70 hours like even on a speed run it's probably like 60 hours so like yeah being sad for that long like eventually you're just gonna like i don't want to play this game anymore yeah, yeah, that, that would add up <laughs> pretty quickly for sure. So like there Final Fantasy is pretty good with that where it's like they the ups the really high highs and the really low lows definitely happen at a frequency where it's like, oh no, this is good. I'm I want to keep going. Yeah, they gotta keep you coming back, right? Yeah. Of course. So I'm gonna talk about um a game I really love and I've forced both of you to play, so I know you've played it. <laughs> Um, and it's actually not Dragon Age. What? So we can really? all revel in that. Wow, me yeah, and I'm gonna Max talk about to the script and you're going on. I actually, here, eh? I actually <laughs> don't before you say the game, I'm like trying to think of a game that you made me play that like wasn't Dragon Age. And I'm just like I'm drawn yeah, to just take a while guess. Like like do you have anything? I'm what drawing do you think I'm at an emotional game. I'm drawn Was it Peggle? It was not Peggle. No, Peggle two, it was Peggle. not Peggle. Peggle two. It was not Peggle 2. Peggle yeah. 2 did have more emotion in it, but it was not Peggle 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's Detroit Become Human. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that the is reason, a good game. Yeah, it is a very good game. I highly recommend this game. If you haven't played this game, I'm about to spoil a lot of it. So uh, just be ready for that. Um, but Detroit Become Human came out in 2018. It's uh, technically an adventure game. It's it's a heavy choice based game, um, and you follow the stories of three um, androids living in Detroit um, in the future. At some point, um, it's it's like some sort of future world. I can't remember the precise year, but basically, um, you follow Connor, who is a police investigator android. Uh, Kara, who's a housekeeper android, and Marcus, who is taking care of an artist at the beginning of the game. Um, And through the journey, um, they all, well, they all can, they have an option to become something called deviant, um, which is just basically them gaining a sense of, I guess, consciousness is a good way to describe it. Um, basically the decision to ignore or take on whatever people are requesting them, basically any sort of autonomy. Um, so, and the whole game is kind of an emotional journey. Like you guys can back this up, uh, but like, and I think it, it, it fell throughout the whole thing, but there's, there were specific moments where like, I felt kind of like overwhelmed with emotion. Like it was actually really getting to me in a, in different ways. And the one scene I'll kind of talk about right off the bat here is um, you're playing as Marcus. And Marcus actually really loves his care, like the person he's supposed to caretake for this artist. And 
he is, you know, just kind of setting things up for the night or something. He's getting him a drink and, uh, or no, they come home from a, an event and it's very clear that somebody has like broken into their house. And it turns out that it's this um, guy's son who is looking for drug money because um, he's been like, apparently he does this a lot. Like you get a lot of context from the scene and basically uh, the guy starts pushing around his dad. And as the android, um, you're told to not do anything. And Marcus, as he really loves this guy, is like, no, 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 this is wrong. Like, he's he's getting hurt. Um, and at that point, you break um, your um, orders and you become deviant. I'm breaking and free. <laughs> there's two, <laughs> Sorry, there's two outcomes. And um, having watched other people play this and having played it myself, I've seen both the outcomes of the scene and neither of them are great. And both of them end up with you being shot as this uh, mm -hmm. android. Yeah. And so that part I always felt really emotional because it was like a high intensity scene. And like the look on Marcus's face where like, because the one of two outcomes is either the son dies and the caretaker is like, what have you done? And it's just this like sense of overwhelming guilt before the cops show up and shoot you. Or your caretaker, like the your the owner dad. The basically yeah, your owner. The dies and he dies and you watch him die and then the son says he did it and points to you and you get shot that in and of itself is like just like i remember being in like kind of almost tears and like holding them back and being really proud of that and then the next <laughs> scene with marcus is you're in a dump oh yeah um with um, broken down robots and you have to basically find pieces and parts of you to fix yourself and that like scene not only is it like terrifying to me because I'm a baby and I don't like scary parts of games but even just the idea <laughs> and it's of, a little like... bit creepy but it was like really quite upsetting and sad at the same time like so you have this like kind of creepy-esque vibe and then this like overwhelming sadness of like this fear of like you this is the brink of death for these creatures basically and it's and not have only now that, achieved it's like autonomy and it's literally like a garbage dump and you're like imagine being just on like the verge of death and just they just throw you away and nobody yeah. thought anything about it either it wasn't like a big like you know like a human being thrown into a dump is a very different context people they were just like oh it this is but it's over not like this that's kind of the whole the whole like feel of the game though like the reason why it's so emotional is that like it it plays with your like feelings and it's like is this when when is when does it become too much and when is it okay and the entire and game you're just fighting that like inner like dialogue which they kind of do and in i the think the other thing was with me in particular is they always structured it as the androids mirroring whatever i was feeling in that scene and they were feeling it very, like, evidently, even though we're told from other people that androids that can't they don't have, have feelings, feelings and emotions and stuff like that. But very clearly you see, especially once they become deviant, that they do. The other scene I really think is quite emotionally heavy, and it's not exactly sad. It's more, like, fear-filled, is um, there's a scene you can get with Kara. You don't necessarily get this scene, 
But basically, you end up at this house and a, a cop shows up and they're looking for um, deviant deviant androids. So they're looking for someone like Kara. So she basically is trying to pretend she's human in that scene. And you have to go around the house and hide things that will, because um, there's other deviants in the house as well. You have to hide things that will basically flag or oh, bring yeah, an yeah. alarm to the cop. And as the cop you only get a certain amount of time to hide things, so you can actually miss stuff. And basically, there's like kind of a like alarm system for him of how how um, suspicious he is of you and like the house. And I remember what I I those scenes always get me really intense, but like it actually starts to shake and like gl- almost glitch out the screen if Kara if he st- if he starts to look alarmed, Kara will actually start to like emote fear as well and like because she was emoting fear at the same time as i was emoting fear it just fear it just like kind of culminated like it was really really intense it really brings you into that universe and it's like especially because it's a choice-based game like like not only are you watching and like feeling what these people are feeling but like your actions directly um like affect Affect. the game so, yeah. so like yeah. when you were saying like when there was two outcomes and it's like you, no matter what you're going to get shot, it's like you don't know that both outcomes are going to get shot, but like you click something like you're like, this is what I'm doing. And then you are shot and you're in a dump. and You're like, oh, my God, I did this. Like, I need to like you feel almost bad. Like, it's your fault. Like you did. And this. like the other thing is, is so um, we ended up um, I was playing it with my friend uh, Megan. And when I was playing it. Um, one of my characters died and so the main screen of the game you always go back to this android who's like leading you through she's basically kind of just like she's kind of the menu but if you ever kill a character she almost cries yeah and like they like really hammer in the guilt and they're like no 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 you're responsible for these characters your decisions mean life or death between them you need to be more careful and she literally says that to you and you're like i'm so sorry <laughs> like i don't yeah. i didn't mean to like let me take it back like is i don't know i that game gets me every time in many different places but those were kind of like some of the bigger moments the the thing about that game that makes me so like it makes me feel so many different emotions is because I was like, yeah, I'll play it eventually. Yeah, I'll play it eventually. Like it's on my list, like blah, 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 blah. blah. And then you basically were like, we are sitting down. We are playing this game. I like I know. And I was like, no, like, it's fine. Like, I don't like I'm I don't really want you. You're like, no, stop, sit down, play the game. And that's how it started. And then like two weeks or like not even two weeks, like two days later, I was like, can we play Detroit? Can we play Detroit? Can we play Detroit? Can we play Detroit? <laughs> You're like, no, right I need to Detroit? finish the game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those kind of game and, and like the emotional journey is just phenomenal, really. I I I can't express that enough. Um so before we move into the games we're currently playing here, um, I do just want to point out that we do have some other contenders on the list. Um, basically kind of like a honorable mention. Um, so that we'll be talking about them maybe in a later podcast here. I'm um, I'm one- definitely demanding right now that we're going to do a part two just because there's uh, at least a couple of video games I can name right now that uh, I don't want to spoil. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to do, we're going to do, if we didn't talk about your most emotional game, we're sorry, but we will get to it in a later episode. Please stick around. But maybe <laughs> just remind us that we didn't talk about it in 
on social media and we'll make sure to conclude it in one of the next ones. So Marissa, the game that you want to, what is your honorable mention? A game that you don't want to spoil right now, but definitely top of the list. Uh, so this is going to be without a doubt um, The Last of Us Part 2. I'm yeah. going to stop talking immediately so I do not spoil any emotional moment. But if you have not played that game yet, I definitely recommend you play it. Uh, mainly so I can talk about it and share in the emotional journey with everyone listening. <laughs> it's still a pretty new game, so I, I, I understand why we don't want to spoil that. I personally haven't yeah. played it, uh, but I have heard good things. Yeah. Uh, I My honorable mention is I know you are currently playing Final Fantasy XV. And oh gosh! Like all Final Fantasy games, there is an emotional journey. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy fifteen is the only open world Final Fantasy, so it plays a little differently. And I feel like what mm-hmm. they did—I'm not going to get too much into it because I know I don't want to spoil what you're doing. But um, the way they they uh, portray the story being an open world game, I think it's a very, very, very well good way to portray. Like it, they tell the story in an open world without it being you don't lose too much of it. Like it doesn't become too loose and they they bring it all back together. And I'm very excited. As soon as you told me you were playing Final Fantasy. I'm so excited. I can't speak. As soon as you <laughs> told me you were playing Final Fantasy 15 immediately, I was like, I cannot wait to talk about this 70 hours from now. Amazing. So that is my okay. honorable mention. Yeah. We'll get back to it. Uh, Sako, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, Not off the top of my head. I, I mean, there are like. The Witcher Three had a couple of emotional scenes. God of War had a couple of emotional scenes. Um, mm-hmm. There are some other scenes in some other Halo games, but like they weren't as impactful as Halo Reach. But I'm sure I'll I'll think I've we've played enough games. I'm I'm sure I'll think of another one for the next time. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, nothing nothing specific right now. Well, I'll actually take yours then because I have another one on my list. It's uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, there's many emotional moments, none of which I can spoil right now because Matt has not finished playing it on our YouTube channel. <laughs> Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm working on it. Working on it with a little All help right. from my friends. So as we are talking about what we're currently playing, let's uh, shift right into Matt. Uh, so I have a problem and my problem is being addicted to Call of Duty zombies. And it that's not a real problem. <laughs> it's not a real problem. <laughs> you know, it is a little bit because I woke up the other day and I just thought to myself, wow, I missed Mr. Eisendrock. It's not gone. It's I can play it. But I was just like, man, I miss that map. Should play that map. That again. is a good map. That is a good map. <laughs> that is one of like top, top ten maps. For oh, sure. for sure. Um, yeah, I I, 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 I can't commit to any higher than that because I have to put more thought into it. But definitely top ten. <laughs> it was um, a it was an excellent map. When I first started playing uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, like I started with the campaign and I was doing the online uh, games, um, and I played a little bit of zombies, but mostly just like fooling around. I'm getting to a point now where it's like I need to dive a little bit deeper. So I'm going to start actively trying to complete some of the uh, challenges that they give you. I don't want to jump too far into the Easter egg without you guys, but I might be forced to. Depending on how my no. goes. No, I'm, no, I'm trying to do the cha- right now. I'm trying to. to do the challenges just to get some some cool calling cards. But the challenges are really uh, what I'm focusing on right now for the zombies. And I'm, I'm excited to keep going. Mm hmm. Excellent. So, uh, Sacco, I'm going to just assume that you're still making progress on Shadow of War. I am. Uh, yep. I uh, Something happened in it that I, we might talk about in a different episode, so I won't talk about it right now. But, um, yeah, it's a fun game, but <laughs> shit happens, and I'm not so happy maybe, about it. 
Maybe it's a fun game, game and shit happens. I Maybe. feel like that that's just like a tagline for almost any game. Maybe an emotional <laughs> game that we'll get back to you later. Yeah, potentially. We'll see how it ends. <laughs> Marissa, what are you playing? Oh, I have gone off the deep end with uh, Tetris Connected. <laughs> so I'm really addicted to it. I don't know what's happening. So um, I've never, I've never loved Tetris this much in my life. Like even when I was younger and had a Game Boy and like would just play that endlessly in the car. Uh, there's something different about this Tetris game. Um, I finished all the levels in the journey mode on normal level. So now I'm working on obviously Marissa fashion. You gotta you gotta put yourself through torture. Yeah, yeah, of course. Naturally, you gotta you gotta have it at like speed 13, 14, and you can't even see the blocks before they are hitting the bottom. Like you gotta just you gotta swing into it. I'm I'm learning lots about Tetris. Um, it's a much deeper community and game than I ever thought it You're was. You're finding the, so the actually, story, the lore is coming out. I, I'm finding a little bit of like story lore. I'm also finding like moves that I didn't really even know existed because I thought it was a very simple game. You gotta get not. those T There's actually like yeah, the T spins. Gotta get the, the T spins. The you gotta be like just combining things for points. Like you gotta just go for it. So the thing about I'm Tetris really enjoying it is that it's really easy to like get the blocks down. But to be like a really good Tetris player, you got to look at like the next block. Like it's not enough that like this block is currently falling. You have to also yeah. look at the next block and then the block like you have to know you have to have a plan. And it's like that's the part that I can never get into. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Tetris Effect and Tetris Effect Connected, they do something with the music and the visuals where it's like every single time. I don't know how it works because obviously the blocks fall at different speeds and like depending on whether what button I click, they fall at different times. But it fits into the music, and it's like I am, I am not playing Tetris. I am living Tetris. Yeah, I am living. As I stupid am Tetris. as that sounds, like in I that am moment, Tetris. I was Tetris. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know how it's it amazing. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Also, every once in a while, they have um, every time there's a full moon. <laughs> oh have, yeah, <laughs> um, connected verses, which is super fun because you oh. get to play as like the boss. Um, so I'm having lots of fun with that. Not only um, that, but it, on the full moon, like that's great. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I love I love the thought that they put into this game. I love how commit like the commitment they they just went ran with. Like they they ah, oh, it just everything about it's a, it is just absolutely. I'm in game. love with. It's an absolutely beautiful game. I have one question. Mm -hmm. uh, are you seeing blocks when you close your eyes yet? Uh, yes, I'm actually Marissa. seeing them. <laughs> everywhere <laughs> marissa you have experienced the tetris effect exactly all right so as always thank you all for listening um for more crowned heathen content please check out our youtube channel it's called crowned heathens um, we're currently filming a series called wwmd or what would matt do um, you can find lots of great Matt quotes there. Uh, you can also check out our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook accounts, and they are all at Crown Heathens. Until next time, thanks. <laughs>